So here's the question of today. The question for today is, what makes a church different than a social gathering? So, you know, one of the things that I've recognized is that how you approach a place dictates the place. If that makes any sense. For example, we had our, for us teachers, we had our first outing together, and we all went bowling together. And normally when I go bowling, I'm like, I don't really care. It's like, whatever. Like, but I ended up on the same aisle as three coaches who like to talk the most trash. So they're like, oh, Sam, you can't do anything. You're just a mad teacher. You know, they, they always have something to say to me. So I was like, okay, okay, let's see what we can do, right? And so, like, I really was focusing that game. <laughs> and so I, I didn't win it, but um, the first time I got over 100, which is not normal. And the second time while we were doing our game, I was at 77 at four, at four frames. So I was on pace to get to 150. So it made me think how you approach something makes a complete difference. If you approach something just casually, like most people, if you're going bowling, most people do not care. I remember when we went, it's just chill. But because, <coughs> because they were chirping a little bit, I was, I was ready to go back at them. So it makes you, makes you, I want you guys to engage with how do you approach church? Because <coughs> if you approach it a certain way, Maybe it, take, makes, maybe it makes you casual where you don't see the fullness of what's possible. And I think for many, it's become a social gathering. What are, <coughs> what are some signs? <coughs> Jeez Louise. <coughs> what are some signs of social gatherings? Well, one, at a social gathering, you pay fees. You know, country clubs is one of the common social gatherings people go to. At church, what do we do? We give an offering, okay? Um, what are some other comparisons between social gatherings and clubs? Yeah, you have a group of friends that you can meet up with. That's true. I can agree with you. What else? So, so, so this, is a very, this, is a, no, this is a real thing. Sunday brunch is a real thing for country clubs. Like, they all will eat together. We like Sunday lunch. Like, it's nice to go eat lunch together. Can you all agree with me? Okay. What other things make something a social gathering? You dress up, well, country clubs, I guess they have a certain attire. All of them are usually, they're usually wearing like tennis outfits and, you know, they're cute in their own way. We're cute in our own way. That's a good one. <laughs> um, another thing is social gatherings have meetings to attend. They have like Sunday morning outings, whether it's tennis together. So I call it meetings, golf together. We have our services where we meet together. And in many ways, I see our churches just being social gatherings. Places where we come together, it's like me casually bowling. You just want a group of people to live with or to grow with and commune with, and that's about it. You know, like I, one Amati, I was asking her, like, you know, why do you go to church? And she's like, I want to be in a big church because when I die, I need people at my funeral. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that's her intention of church. You know what I mean? Like, she wants to feel valuable. <laughs> so, and really, like, they may not even like each other. This is, like, you know, the saddest thing. People have the most beef during church. I've seen people fight at general bodies. And then when the person dies, they're like going up there saying, oh, he was such a great member. And I'm like, what kind of like, I saw you fight him like a year ago. Y'all never said sorry to each other. And now that they die, you think they're the greatest person? It's just silly to me. It's like a social gathering. So... Can I ask you guys? Let's start with me now. I'll stop talking for a second. I want to hear from you guys. What makes a church different than a social gathering? Because for me today, I see more than anything, 
especially even our generation, has made it a social gathering, just a place to hang out together. So here's what I think God put on my heart. I think what separates a church from a social gathering, this is this one component, is the unity of the believers. This is something that is missing today more than anything. You know, even as I was preparing this, you know, there's a lot of, I don't think, as I prepare other things, it's like so clear. I think the enemy has a really strong push against this because when people come together unified, when a people will become one for the sake of God, they are powerful. And today we do not have that in our churches at all. Like I said, the social gathering, when you go to a social gathering, you think, this is about me. What do I get out of this? And because of that, when it doesn't meet you, you leave. A spiritual group thinks, this is not about me. This is about something bigger than me. And so you think, what can I do for this place? How can I edify the body? Because it's not about you. That's the idea of the unity of the believers. But it's difficult because unity is such a big concept. Can you agree with me? Two becoming one. Like, how does that even happen? You know, one of the biggest arguments for Islamic people against Christianity is the idea of the Trinity. How can you have three gods, that, three separate gods who are one? Right? Unity is a mystery, but it's a mystery that we need to be engaging in. So I want to encourage you. I mean, think how hard it is for two people. Think how hard it is for two people to become one. Now the concept is we need 15 people to become one. And then when God grows us, he needs 50 people to become one. And he needs 100 and 1,000. And no wonder why our churches are so weak today. There really is no unity. It's just a, a thing that we do. So I want to encourage you today. The thought that God gave me is there has to be unity amongst the believers. What is unity, though? If we could define it, what is it? So I looked up the definition on Google, and it was something about coming together in oneness. So it's like such a big concept. So to make, add some, uh, maybe some tangibility to it, I, I came up with a definition that may be more a little practical. It's being fully oneself, but also being fully a part of the group. This is the mystery of unity. It's you being fully involved in church, bringing the, the giftings God has given you fully, but in the same moment, also being fully a part of the group saying, let me put myself down in this moment because someone else needs to be the one working. It's the mystery. It's the balance. And I think too many times we don't have either one of these components. What does disunity mean? First, it means people aren't bringing themselves fully. When I imagine the move of God, I truly believe this. It won't be someone standing here or four people. It will be like a fire amongst people where no person gets credit. It's a group of people coming together eager for God. Look at the early, like Acts 2. 120 people were in one accord. And when they were in one accord together, the Spirit of God moved. And each one was speaking their own language. Like the people heard and they're like, you're talking so many different languages right now. And that's the beauty. When everyone comes fully but also humbled, we can reach so many people together. But the key is you being fully here, but also being ready to think, what is the better? What can I do to help better this group? So I want you to think, where do you lack? Maybe you are ready to sit back and be like, okay, let's let the group happen. Maybe you need to step up more and say, what is God needing of me? Let me bring that. And maybe you step up a lot. Me, 
I do a lot and I say a lot. Maybe I need to step back more. And this is what God has been challenging me. Let others move. God wants to move through us together. So I want to challenge you. The unity of the body is really important. I have one story of this. Here's what, here's what can happen if a group of people can come together. So this is, <laughs> this is uh, yes, I skipped that other one. This is Andrew. Well, you, you, want to, you want me to tell your wife with that? Okay, so okay, we have, up here we have, hold on, it's coming in a second. Uh, we have a guy <laughs> who is trying to look like Christ. So let's go back to the verse. I kind of skipped the verse. <laughs> it's a good smolder. But anyways, he said, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So each one of us are members of the body of Christ. Meaning what? Each one of us needs to walk in the fullness of who Christ is. You need to walk in what it means to look like Christ. Now, here's the unique, like the, the, the interesting thing. He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Like loving someone else is so unique for every person. Can you agree with me? And so God doesn't need you to look like me. He doesn't need you to maybe give $200 to someone. But God needs you to love as he's made you. And so this is why I put this guy up. Because it's like, how, what does it mean to look like Christ? Like this guy, they say this guy did facial surgery to construct his image to look like Christ. They say he spent thousands of dollars. I don't, and I, don't, I think they said it was actually like a joke. I don't know. He might just look like that. I, I don't know if this is real or not. But I don't think Jesus needs you to do facial construction to look like him. <laughs> right? You don't need to add like, like beard implant or like long hair. That's not the goal. I think he wants you to have his nature. And as each one of us walk in his nature, I think you find your calling in this group of people. So I want you to really think we as a group have to come together. And if we as a group come together, the impact of it is something out of this world. I believe that. If a group of people can come together, I mean, look at business. People are willing to come together in business and they can do amazing things. Now I'm saying let's do it for something meaningful. So Andrew talked me was a, this is a story of a guy. Um, I'll show you his picture up there. And he was serving as a pastor in a French village in, in well, in La Chambon sur Lignon. Okay, I don't, don't know if I said that right. But yeah, he was in France. And during that time, German Nazis took over the government. They ordered French authorities to arrest all the Jews. One evening, a frightened Jew woman, Jewish woman came to Trochmi's house seeking refuge. And him and his wife organized an underground network of volunteers to help other Jews. In that moment, he had a decision. Do I help this Jew or do I protect myself? And so he decided to help the Jew. Because of that, he decided then to help more. And more and more refugees, <coughs> many of them children, found their way to his city. The villagers hid them in shops and farms and helped many escape to Switzerland. In 1942, the police threatened to arrest anyone aiding the Jews. But he urged his congregation, don't give in to fear. We'll resist whatever our adversaries demand of us, um, obedience contrary to the orders of the gospel. And so he said, we're not going to do anything that goes against the scriptures. He encouraged his believers. So it started with him, and then he encouraged his believers to do that. So his church started helping Jews. Think about a group of people who are ready to give up their lives for people. Well, finally, they arrested him because they found out what he was doing and his assistant pa pastor. They arrested the schoolmaster as well. 
But the three men in unity refused to sign the loyalty oath to the Nazi government. They spent their imprisoned times leading Bible studies for other prisoners. Think how amazing this is. Think about what people can do if they come together to serve God. Well, after they were let out, they were released four weeks later, and um, his spirit undaunted, he continued to help refugees. After World War II, they reported they aided, guess how many refugees? 5,000 refugees were helped by these, by these men, by this community. And the most beautiful part, not one person in the village ever turn, turned a Jew over to the authorities. Isn't that amazing? A group of people who can work towards an aim together are powerful. And I think this is what the world needs now more than ever. I really believe this. If we can come together as a group, understanding what God has given us, the strength that he's given us in Christ, but also recognizing the betterment of the group. If we can come together, we can do things to change the world. 5,000 people were saved because of a few people. How many people can we save? How many young people who are lost today? I see so many of my young people who are lost in drugs, sex, alcohol, partying, and they don't know how to get out of it. They're, they're lost in anxiety and depression. They think they're not beautiful enough. How many can we save? Wouldn't that be amazing? I think about our nursing home ministry. You know, how many people can we bring joy back into? Some of those people are so sad at the world. But if a group of people can come together and just love, together, we can impact this world. So I'm going to give you two signs of unity, and then I'll be finished, okay? So these are things we can work on so that we can continue to be a more unified group. The first thing I say is value every member in your church. If you're listening online, this is something that's terrible in our churches today. We value a few people. We value the prominent people. If you're rich, you're loved, right? Especially in Malayatras, if you're rich, you are given stage time. And maybe if you don't have the nicest job, you're kind of pushed to the side. You might be ostracized. You know, I even heard a church where there's cliques. People get together. We, you were even mentioning it. Like the ones, they have many, many people in the church. So all the, all the doctors hang out together. All the nurse practitioners hang out together. The business people hang out. And it's, we will value the people like us. But that's not a church. A church values everyone. Everyone is meaningful in a church. You look at these verses and it's so beautiful. It says, for the body did not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot said, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. You understand, we like to value certain things. If someone speaks well, you're valued. If someone sings well, come on up. But maybe we need to start valuing people who just listen to God. People who just listen and can hear the voice of God and pray for someone. Why don't we see that in our churches? Because we don't value it. Recognize that whoever you are and however God has made you is necessary. It's necessary for this church. And if no one's ever said that, recognize that for yourself. You don't need to be a singer, a music player, or a speaker. The way God has made you is necessary. So I want to encourage you first. We have to start by valuing every member of the body. 
So I'll give you an example of this. You know, I remember I was speaking at a, at a church camp. You know, and I think I'm learning myself more as a speaker. You're always comparing yourself with other people. Can you agree with me? But the interesting thing is God has made all of us different. So we all should be okay kind of in our uniqueness. And one thing I learned is that I'm not a very emotional speaker. I will cry sometimes. But I'm not, you know, some speakers are trying to rev up your emotions. I'm not trying to rev up your emotions. I'm trying to make you think and walk with God. So I remember I went to a, a church camp and I was speaking. And I did my, I did, I, one of my normal talks is about the family unit, the family being one. And I, I remember as I was saying, I was like, okay, I'm doing a good job tonight. You know, it's been pretty good. You know, sometimes I know as I'm speaking, it's good. And so I remember like after I finished, um, I was like, I also do this thing where I ask people if they'd like to come forward to pray. And this young man with his father came forward to pray. And I realized he was one of the young ministers of the church. He spoke. And so I, I just went and prayed for him. And later he told me he had such a deep conviction of God through my sermon. He's like, he, he, we were talking about the family being unified. And he said him and his parents had literally on the drive to the camp been fighting, like hardcore fighting, like ugly fighting, like calling each other's names, saying not nice things. So he felt such a conviction. I'm over here like I'm just saying my normal message, but God was working. So this is another thing. You may think like who you are doesn't have any impact. You don't understand who you are and how it can impact someone. So I just did my job. I said it and I got out of the way and I prayed for him. And so literally after I get done, he starts praying for the, the congregation. And it's so beautiful because then another family comes forward. And then another family comes forward. And I recognize I didn't need to bring all of the families. I did my job. And then he did his job. And it was so beautiful that night. They said there was a family there who hadn't talked to each other, like siblings, like adults, for three years who were talking to each other. And it was so beautiful because it wasn't me. It wasn't him. It was a group of people coming together. When we serve God together, there are things, there are people's lives who can be healed. There are strongholds that can be broken. And then I wonder, no wonder why the enemy wants to make us so disunified. The enemy wants to do everything to make us not value each other or even value ourselves. So truly understand we have to value each other. Value each other and recognize that we are all needed in the body of Christ. So let me give you one piece of advice. Value each member as someone whom you consider amazing. You know, one of the things I love to do is any person I talk to, I think this is the best person in the room right now. Seriously. Like, I always think, you know, I always compare. If a celebrity we liked walked in the room, we know how to have a conversation with them. You know what I mean? I don't know who you like, Taylor Swift or like, I don't know. Okay, I don't know who you like. <laughs> if someone you like were to walk in, you want to talk to them, right? You know how to talk to them. Now view every person in that way. Consider the specialness of each person. Because guess what? Jesus looks at every person as special. So if you want to walk like him, love every member of, your, of the body that you're a part of. So that's my first piece of advice. Let me give you the last one and we'll be done for the day. The second thing is be open within the body. Here is one of the things that I think many of us lack, especially going up in Malayali Church. If I'm going through something, I don't tell anyone. Like our parents tell us, don't tell anyone what you're going through, right? I'm like, the point of a church is we are there for each other. Genuinely, I want our generation to fix that. I want when my kids grow up 
to feel like if they're going through something, they can talk to you guys. I don't want them talking to the world. I want them talking to you guys. I want them talking to godly influence. But what do we do? We shut ourselves up. Oh yeah, this is my issue. I need to deal with it myself. No one else needs to know about it. Know about it. What does the scripture say? By the way, let's look at that picture real quick. So you see the word truth. The second we start being truthful and honest with each other, guess what comes? Trust comes with it. We will grow as a body together when we open ourselves up to each other. So I want to encourage you, be open. What does the scripture say? The verse says, if one person suffers, everyone is suffering. Do you understand that? When you are stressing, right? Oh, tell the body, you know, I'm going through this. Pray for me. That is the point of a church. If one suffers, all of us are suffering. So don't feel like you have to suffer alone through what you're going through. Whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's an addiction. You know how many people, you know why the enemy wants to keep people quiet in addiction? Because he has victory there, right? In darkness, nothing good can come. But the more you expose it to the light, there can be healing. And I know this is going against literally everything we grew up thinking. Hide your life. Don't show anyone. You have to look good on paper. Stop. A body begins to trust each other and work together well when we open ourselves up. I want to give you an example of this. So this is, let me get her name, Anita Alvarez. So she's a synchronized swimmer. Actually, I saw this story like while I was scrolling on Facebook, and it was really good. So synchronized swimmers, so like they're, it's called, I think, artistic swimming. They'll literally go underwater and hold their breath for two minutes doing like swimming. And, or like dances and stuff, trying to be like beautiful or whatever, I don't know. And so she, was, she went down for, on a training session and she literally went unconscious on her two minutes of holding her breath. So she was literally dying. And from afar, her coach recognizing something is wrong. So this is her, you see her slouched over. Her coach comes in fully clothed, recognizing something is wrong and coming to help her. And because she worked that quickly, literally she was fine. She, they got her up, they were able to do CPR on her, and she was fine. The coach recognized something was wrong because she knew her. This is what I, what I see a beautiful church being like. Like we look at each other because we've opened up our lives up. You know something is wrong with someone. And when something is wrong, you look at them and say, I want to help you. Stop drowning by yourself. Let me help you. And obviously both, everyone needs to work together in that. But man, what kind of church can that be? Rather than us seeing a negative issue and saying, let me go tell five people about it. Let me run to the person and pray with the person. Let me bring some healing to the person. I really believe this. Sometimes your healing comes from a friend in your body. And it's just us opening up our life and saying, help. Help me because I need help in this. You understand no one has their life together. Nobody. Nobody's perfect. We all have our issues. Even this week or two weeks ago, like my wife looked at me and she said, is your hairline receding? And I was like, man, wife, why would you say that to me? It was like a biggest, like a hit in my heart. But you know what the coolest thing is? I've just been telling people about it. I'm like, what, what do I do? Like my hairline's going back. And you know what? Like some of my friends who literally don't open up at all were like, you know, mine's going back too. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? They're like, just embrace it. And I, it was like a closeness that I felt with this person. 
And it made me think I've never felt that close before, but because I showed my, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> it was so beautiful. Like it made me feel so happy. And I was like, if my issue is what brings us together, let it be. Even like Justina was saying, you know, we did our marriage counseling together. And it's so beautiful because as I open up our life, we're learning from them. You understand? She thinks we're counseling them, but there are things that they're saying that I was like, oh, that's really good. You know, the church is about us edifying each other, bringing each other up. Where you're weak, I may be strong. And where I'm weak, you may be strong. So I really want to encourage you, open up your life. Open up your life that even the things you feel like, I shouldn't be telling people this, tell them. Literally yesterday, I was like saying it at the VBS, the hairline thing. And I have good advice now. Someone was saying, put castor oil and uh, uh, coconut oil and let it sit in my hair. That's actually one of our, that was our group. But again, more advice comes. So you will have help and benefit if you can open up your life and say, I need help. We are one body together. We are genuinely one body. Your victories are my victories and your hurt is my hurt. We all have to think like that. So let me give you one more piece of advice and then I'm done. Open up your life with others, please. Share what might be hard to share. Your parents may have said, never share this, but I really want to encourage you. I want our generation to be different. I want our generation to see breakthroughs in people's lives. People not go down into, into addictions or whatever. I want us to see breakthroughs. But it starts with us being obedient and saying, let me just open myself up. So I end with this, what makes um, a church different? And Jessica, you could come forward. What makes a church different than a social gathering? Um, I really want to encourage you, it's us coming together. Us looking at each other and saying, we need each other. And that the breakthroughs of God will happen when we all step up. You know, that story of Andrew Trockme is something that we'll all reiterate again. As we come together, there are many who will be impacted by us. I hope 5,000, 10,000, 100,000 people are impacted by the serving church. That because we allowed ourselves to be a little vulnerable and we allowed God to move through us, that there were some amazing things that we couldn't even imagine possible. That they're saying stories about us later and not for our glory, but for the glory of God. And as always, we thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for engaging. From what we heard today, we want to see unity in the body. We want to see us be an image of Christ in the church, that we would be the church that represents him well. That when people see us, they don't see a social gathering. They don't see just a group of people who are fake with each other, but they see a genuine group of believers who are trying to walk at the calling that God has. Find who you are and bring that to this group. Continue to consider that daily. Open up your life to other people. And I hope that as we grow in trust and truth, that we can continue to be more and more unified together. But as we go, we continue to remind you guys that continue to look more and more like Christ wherever you go.